In the movie, The Apostle, which stars Robert Duvall, he plays a charismatic Pentecostal preacher. It's a very interesting movie, and part of that intrigue for me was to see how this preacher talked to God. Robert Duvall's character would go up into uh, one of the rooms in his house, and he'd lock the door, and, and he would be up there for hours talking to God, uh, just like I'm talking to you. Uh, and sometimes he'd get really into it, and he would yell at God. He'd be mad at God, and he, he would say all kinds of things to God that kind of might shock you and me when we were watching that. And so part of my reaction was, whoa, man, that's kind of a line that you might not want to cross. Don't want to be sacrilegious. Don't want to disrespect God. But then part of me was like, wow, I wish I could be that honest with God. Like when I'm mad at God or when things are not going my way, that I could just unload on God and just get that stuff out there. And I'm wondering if you sometimes feel like me that you'd like to be 100% honest with God and just lay it out there, but maybe that causes us anxiety because we might be scared of how God might react to that. Would we be being sacrilegious? Would we be disrespecting God? Or is that something God's big enough to handle? Is that something that faithful followers of God are allowed to do? When you have anxiety, when you have stress, when you're mad at God, when you have issues with, with God himself, how do you deal with that? What, what are we allowed to do about that? Well, one thing that helps me is in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, uh, it has real prayers and real songs that were sung, poems, things like that, that real people like you and, and I wrote or said to God. And most of these Psalms are over 3,000 years old but it's as if they were written today. Sometimes there's things in there that wouldn't surprise you. Hey, God, you're awesome. Thank you for all the blessings you're giving my life. I love you. I love to serve you. I love to worship you. I want to bow down before you. And some of those psalmists have questions. You know, where are you, God? Why is this happening? And some of those people who were writing and singing over 3,000 years ago are mad as heck at God. And they want to know what's going on and when God's going to show up and and they don't hold any punches. And so when I see that, it makes me feel better sometimes when I just want to unload on God and be honest and, and still respect God. But you know what? God knows what we're thinking anyway, right? And so maybe, just maybe, that's something that we're allowed to do with God. I want to look at one of those psalms today, Psalm 73, uh, and just see if maybe you see yourself anywhere in this psalm. Let's check this out together. No doubt about it, God is good, good to good people, good to the good-hearted, but I nearly missed it. I missed seeing his goodness. Let's keep going. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. Some wicked people are prospering and doing well. Pretentious with arrogance. They wear the latest fashions in violence. Pampered and overfed. Decked out in silk bows of silliness. They jeer using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air. Loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe that? Y'all don't ever see that on television, do you? You don't see that on the internet or, or anything in our culture, right? Loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? 
Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. The wicked are prospering. The good people are being pummeled. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? You ever felt that way? See people do wrong and evil things in the world, and they get everything that they ever want. Right? We play by the rules, do the right thing, and we get nowhere. Right? What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck? That's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door? If I'd given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. You ever done that? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? That's enough to give you a headache every time that you think about that. Still, got the headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture. The slippery road you've put them on with the final crash and the ditch of delusions. The blink of an eye, disaster. Psalmist is saying they're going to get what they deserve in the end. The blink of an eye, disaster, a blind curve in the dark, and nightmare. We wake up and rub our eyes. Nothing. There's nothing to them, and there never was. When I was beleaguered and bitter, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant. A dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on the earth. I want you to remember that. We're going to come back to that. That's what we just sang, right? That second beautiful song that Cole and the band led us in. God, you're all that I want in heaven. You're all that I want on the earth. Will you read that with me aloud? You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on the earth. Coming back around, the psalmist is calming down, invented, getting it out. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who left you are falling apart. Deserters, they'll never be heard from again, but I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made the Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the whole world what you do. So again, we've got some honesty from a person like you and me who's living life and seeing wicked people prosper and, and good people be persecuted or things not going away. Why is this what's happening? And they come around saying, you know what? God's going to make it right at the end. Somehow it's going to make it all right. And God, you're all that I want. In heaven, you're all that I want on the earth. And I think what the psalmist is tapping into is, is some everyday theology, right? Thinking about God, seeing God in the world, interacting in our lives that we all wrestle with, right? Because in the, in the Old Testament, there, there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that says if you're good and you're with God, good things happen to you. And if, if you're evil, if you go against God, then bad things will happen to you, right? There's a lot of that theology in the Old Testament, uh, and, and it's true, right? Sometimes it's true. Right? Our, our brothers and sisters who are Buddhists, our brothers and sisters who are Hindu, they would call that karma, right? You get what you deserve. It's going to catch up to you. If you're good, you're going to have good things follow you. If you're bad, you're going to have bad things follow you. Old Testament said, you good, follow God, good things happen. If you're bad, you evil, then you're going to reap that, right? And, and that is true in part, but it doesn't tell the whole story. It's just like we read in the psalm today. The psalmist sees someone who's wicked prospering, right? Sometimes good things happen to bad people. We read through the rest of the psalms. We read through the Bible. We also find out sometimes that bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to faithful people. In the Old Testament, we turn to the book of Job, 
And it really begins to challenge this theology that if you do good, good things happen. If you do bad, bad things happen. Right? Job is a man of God. He is an honorable man of God. Faithful. Talking about living in the faith, right? Living out a faithful life. Job is a man of faith without, without blemish, right? And he has a big family. He's rich. He's successful. He owns lots of land and animals and all this kind of stuff. And immediately like that, he loses everything. His family dies out. He loses his business, right? Everything dies on his farms. He loses it all. And then on top of that, he gets a, like a physical disease, right? And, and all that's left is like his wife, and she's blaming him, right? Giving him an earful, right? So overnight, Job lost everything, and he did nothing wrong, nothing to deserve it. He was a faithful man. And so the theology continues to be revealed to us that it's a little more complicated than that. It's a little more difficult than that. Bad things can happen to good people. Good things can happen to bad people. And we wrestle with why that is. I want to jump forward to the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 8, for most of the rest of the message today. And it's written by a man named Paul who was a, a church planter, right? an evangelist in the first century in the Mediterranean world. He started all these churches. He'd write them letters, and most of those letters became the New Testament. He's writing to Christians who are in Rome, where he's not yet been, but he's going to end up there. He's going to be executed there for his faith. And so he's writing to the Romans, uh, and this is what he says in part. We're going to read several things today, but we'll start here. Right? Now, if we're children of God, Paul's saying we can be children of God, right? When we have faith in Jesus, we can become children of God. Then we become heirs, right? And heirs inherit, right? And so if we're children of God, like Jesus is a child of God, then we can look forward to inheriting a nice inheritance, right? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Right? We want to inherit glory, right? We want good things to happen to us because we're heirs of, of, of God. But we also sometimes have to go through suffering. Right? In this specific case, Paul's saying, sometimes because of your faith, you will suffer. You will be persecuted, right? You will be laughed at. You will be mocked, right? In the first century, you could be killed for being a Christian. In, in our century, 21st century in America, Probably not going to be killed for that, but we might be made fun of at work or ostracized at school, things like that. We could be persecuted for our faith, but there are people around the world who are killed for their faith today. Right? Paul says sometimes we suffer because we have faith and we follow Jesus. But it goes beyond that. Right? We also suffer for other reasons. Sometimes we make bad choices and we bring suffering upon ourselves. Right? We, we're, we're not using wisdom. Sometimes other people make bad choices who have power over us, and we suffer from that, and there's nothing we can do about it, and it's frustrating. And I think we see a lot of people in the world today who are really upset about that, feeling out of control, other people making decisions that mess with us. And then sometimes, sometimes, bad things just happen to us for no apparent reason at all. God didn't cause it. Someone else didn't cause it. It just happens. Car falls and hits your mom and she dies, right? It just happens. How are we supposed to deal with that? Because you think about anxiety, this is anxiety, right? We try to follow God, we try to have faith, and, and stuff still happens to us, right? That's anxiety that we're, that we're wrestling with. I want to go back to Paul in, in chapter 8. And he asks a question. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, Paul is 
asking a rhetorical question, and he's getting ready to answer it. We're going to see his answer in just a minute. But basically, he's going to give this rah-rah speech like, if God's for us, who can be against us? No one can be against us, right? God's on our side. God's got our back. Right? We're, we're good to go, right? So if God can be for us, who can be against us? But let me be honest with you. Let's, let's take a minute and think about this. Right? In our lives, sometimes God protects us. In our lives, sometimes God intervenes in our lives, especially when we pray and, and does good things for us. But if we're honest, like, like a psalmist, right, sometimes God does not protect us and bad things happen to us. Sometimes God does not intervene in our lives in the way that we would like God to intervene and people of faith get hurt very badly. So I wanna ask this question in a different way than what Paul probably originally meant, right? He's this rhetorical question. He's getting ready to go into his big rah-rah speech. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me just ask that as a question. If God is for us, who can be against us? My answer would be a lot of people are against us and they can mess with us. There are a lot of things in the world that can hurt us that God's not gonna protect us from. If God is for us, who can be against us? Bullies can be against us. Our bosses can be against us. Our government can be against us. Other governments in the world can be against us. Terrorists can be against us. Our bodies can be against us. They can fight themselves and give us cancer, right? Nature can be against us, right? The western part of the U.S. is burning, right? Southern part of the U.S. is flooded with hurricanes and people are dying of flash floods in neighboring Tennessee, right? North Carolina, where we live, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's a whole lot that can be against us. There's a whole lot that is against us, right? I see people of faith all the time have bad things happen to them, right? People of faith, right? They starve, they drown, they're tortured. People of faith are abused and raped and killed. People of faith get cancer and COVID and diabetes and meningitis. People of faith get divorced and cheated on. People of faith get kicked out of school. People of faith fail tests. People of faith don't make the school team. People of faith, faith get rejected and dumped and, and just mocked and ridiculed, right? Tons of bad things happen to people of faith, right? All the time. That, that's the challenge that I personally have with the way that some people are saying the phrase in our culture, faith over fear. It's like if you have faith, then nothing bad's gonna happen to you, right? You don't have to fear because nothing bad's gonna happen to you because of your faith. That is not true. That is not true in that interpretation. I just named all the things that happened to people of faith. I've known good, godly men and women, and the worst things in the world happen to them. They lose children. They have miscarriages. They can't, they can't conceive of children. Their grandchildren die. Right? In 25 years of ministry, I've had so many funerals and memorial services and celebration of life services, and guess what? Most every person that I buried was a person of faith, and it didn't stop them from dying. Wow, Pastor Kyle, you're really making me feel better about my anxiety today. <laughs> Thanks for being so cheerful. I'm glad I'm here today. I just feel so much better about what you're saying. I'm so glad that I have faith. Why would I want to have faith if bad stuff still happens to me, if God doesn't always protect me, if, if it doesn't work out for me? Why would I want to have faith? Because sometimes when I have faith, I'm persecuted because of that faith. Why would we want to have faith? Well, let's think about that. I'm a lifelong follower of Jesus. I've been a pastor for 25 years. I've lived a pretty good life. I've seen bad stuff in my own life, right? So why do I have faith? 
Like, why should we have faith when, when God doesn't promise to protect us from everything? Like, let's think about that. Let's go back to Paul. I'm going to go back into Romans 8 here. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. One reason we have faith is because heaven is real. And at the end of our earthly time, God's going to make things right for those of us who follow Jesus. We're going to get perfect bodies, so we're going to live forever in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to have no tears, no anxiety, right? Forever with God and one another who follow Jesus, and it's, it's a paradise. It's going to be life to the full forever, right? The psalmist that we first read today, all I want is you, God, in heaven. I mean, that, that's, we have that to look forward to. That's the hope. That's where God makes things right. You know, we look forward to that as followers of Jesus. But we can't just look forward to heaven. What about this life? This life matters. Jesus said, I came to this world to give you life to the full now. So it's not just we wait until heaven. Right? This world matters. How we treat each other matters. Right? This world, God wants good things for us in this world. And so let's think about, well, if, if God doesn't protect us from everything, if bad things still happen, why should we have faith in this world? We've been talking about this over the last few weeks. If you remember, God said, do not worry. Why not worry? Because I will give you the strength to meet whatever you, whatever you run into. I will give you the strength to, to, to meet cancer. I'll, I'll give you the strength to, to meet heartbreak. Whatever comes your way, I will give you the strength to meet that. And God does say, don't fear, right? God says, has faith. Right? And, but the, well, the, the, we looked at that was that God says, don't let your life be dominated by fear. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to be afraid. But don't let fear dominate you. If that's what we mean by faith over fear, then I think that's correct. Right? There's a lot of stuff I'm facing, but I'm not going to let it dominate me because there's something more to my life, and we're going to see what that is. Last week, we saw God said, don't be anxious. Why? He said, I will guard your heart. I will guard your head with my peace. Right? The sense of inner contentment that doesn't make sense in the circumstances. I'm going through a bad time, going through a hard time. God gives me peace. I have inner contentment that even though it's not all right, God is with me. Right? So, so those are some reasons to have faith. I think Paul shows us some more. Let's keep going in Romans 8 today. In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So when our anxiety is so much that we don't even know what to say to God, when we don't even know how to pray to God, the Holy Spirit prays for us anyway. That's a reason to have faith. When we hit the bottom, when we hit the gutter, right, we can't even express anything to God. The Holy Spirit prays for us. That's, that's a reason to have faith. And this probably might be the best thing that we could say today. And we know that in all things, in all the crap in our lives, all the good stuff in our lives, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, even in our mess. God is at work to bring good out of it. God doesn't cause the bad stuff to happen to us. It doesn't take away from the sting or the pain or belittle it, but God works to bring good into our lives. That's why we have faith, that God works to bring good into our lives, even in the worst circumstances. He who did not spare his own son, God sent his own son Jesus to die for us, but gave him up 
for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all these things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Right? This is where Paul was gearing up towards Christ is for us, who can be against us. This is the, power, this is the powerful wind up or the, the ending to that. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Right? We're gonna read through several of these things. I want you to imagine in, in your mind right now what anxiety you brought into the room today or what anxiety you have at home. And I want you to plug it in, in here, okay? Right? For, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Right? And here's where we're gonna... Keep going. Right? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All right, here's where you want to plug it in, okay? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, right, neither COVID nor heartbreak, right, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the past, future, or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right, that's... That's his ending, right? Why should we have faith, right? Because we're not alone. God is with us. God gives us the strength. Right? God gives us what we need. God brings good out of, of the bad things in our lives. Right? That is why we have faith. Right? That's powerful stuff that, that God does for us and all. It's kind of like another psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 23. If you're not even a church person, you might have heard this, right? where the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? Even though I walk through the valley, walk through the valley of the shadow of, of death, right? I fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. We, we go through life with ups and downs. We're not alone. God is with us to give us the strength that we need, right? to bring good from all those circumstances, right? And we're not alone in that. So we don't, have to worry or fear or have anxiety. And so, you know, hopefully this is good news for all of us. Right? So a couple of things I want you to think about. We want Jesus to help us. That's right. We want Jesus to help us with our lives, you know, our school, our kids, our family, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely okay to want that. And Jesus will help us, right? But we need Jesus to have us. Right? It's more important than what Jesus does for us of who he is. He wants to be in a personal relationship with us. He wants us to be his children, right? Just like Paul started out, we are heirs, right, of Christ, right? We are heirs, right? We want Jesus to help us. We need him to have us, okay? Let's keep going. We need more than solutions to our problems. We need a Savior. We're looking for Jesus to fix everything. That, that's part of it. But more than that, we need a personal relationship with God, right? a Savior. Jesus came, left heaven to come to the earth to be a human while still being God, and he died on the cross. You know why he did that? So he could come back to life, so that you and I can be forgiven the wrong things that we do, the guilt and shame that we carry around in our lives that gives us tons of anxiety. He says, I'm ready to take that from you and replace that with joy, that inner peace, that sense of contentment that we've been talking about, and life to the full, now on the earth and forever in the kingdom of heaven. Right? We don't need so much a solution to our problems, we need a personal savior. So what's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? This is what I think it is. Jesus paid the price to be our prize. And Jesus paid the price to be our prize. It's not what Jesus does for us, it's who he is, right? He died for us to be in relationship with us, right? to, to bring us back to God. Right? 
Jesus paid the price to be our prize. What did the psalmist say, right? The first thing that we read, right? All I want in heaven is you, God. All I want in earth is you, God. The psalmist finally got it, got back to that. He was complaining and griping, but he got back to it. The most important thing is Jesus, being in a relationship with Jesus. All I want is you in heaven. All I want is you in earth, right? That is what God calls us to. And I think when we receive that in our lives, it helps us deal with our anxiety. It helps us deal with our worry. It helps us deal with our pain. It helps us deal with those broken situations that we're not alone, that God's working to bring good into our lives, that we have life to the full in the midst of that, right? We have peace and we can look forward to the glorious kingdom of heaven. That's a lot to be grateful for. And I think that helps ease our anxiety, whether we're dealing with everyday anxiety or we're battling an anxiety disorder. And so I hope that brings you hope. I hope that gives you a sense of releasing some of that anxiety of the world. But on the other hand, it might have an unintended consequence that might cause you more anxiety. Well, think about this. We started out reading that, that psalm at the beginning, Psalm 73, where the guy's upset because the wicked are prospering and the good are not doing that. And I'm guessing, you know, our approach that I took, at least, was that most of us identified with the person of God. We're on God's side. We're trying to do the right thing. We follow Jesus. And when we see evil in the world prospering, that doesn't make us feel good. I hope, you know, that we're there. We're all followers of God. But I'm guessing, and it's okay, that some of us in this room and some of us online, that wasn't our perspective. When we read that psalm, we're thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm being called out. I'm not with God. I'm an enemy of God. I do wrong things. My life's a life of smoke and mirrors. And at some point, it's all gonna catch up to me and God's gonna give me what I deserve. And I'm guessing if you feel that way, right, that that adds a whole level of anxiety to your life, that I'd love to have Jesus as my Lord. I'd love to have Jesus as my Savior. I'd love to have Jesus getting my back and, and never being separated from me and, and bringing good out of bad circumstances. But I'm so bad that that doesn't apply to me. And I'm an enemy of God. God's going to destroy me. It's going to catch up to me. And that just brings more anxiety to me because this picture that Pastor Kyle's painting is not a picture for me. I'm too far gone. But the good news today is you're not too far gone. No one is too far gone from Jesus. I want to read you some words from Jesus himself where Jesus has just told his disciples, he's told some other people something that is shocking. He says, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. It doesn't mean that you have warm, fuzzy feelings, you're inviting them over for hot chocolate, knitting them a sweater, but that you treat them well, right? Love your enemy, right? This is blowing their minds. And then this is what Jesus says right after that in Matthew's gospel. God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, right? This is in a sense of good, right? The sun that comes up, it's beautiful, it's warm, it gives life to the world. God causes that to bring life to good people and to evil people. Right? And God sends his reign on the righteous, those who do right things, and the unrighteous, those who do not do right things. Right? Rain in the sense of it's refreshing, it's restorative. It makes water makes up most of our bodies and most of the earth. That, that God does good things for good people and for evil people. Right? That's where we transcend past some of that, that theology of the Old Testament that if you're good, good things happen. If you're evil, evil things happen. Right, this, is, this is a message of grace that God gives all of us more than we deserve. God gives all of us more than we deserve. That's why I'm a Christian. 
There's no other theology or thinking that, that gets to that point that God gives us more than we deserve because of Jesus and his love for us. Right? And so wherever you are, you're not too far from God. If you think you're an enemy of God or you're evil or God's coming after you to squash you, right? it's the opposite. God wants you to turn to God, right? And leave that life behind and to start living life to the full now and living forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? So I want to amend our so what here. Let's keep going. Jesus paid the price to be everyone's brother. Whether you're good or bad, near God, far from God, Jesus paid the price to be everyone's price for all of you. And so I just invite you all to just do one thing, right? This is, this is the action step. Accept the prize. Accept Jesus. Stop running. Stop living in fear, right? That, that you're not good enough for God to know that God loves you and died for you and wants to give you life to the full and bring goodness from the bad in your life to have your back and never be separated from you. Accept the prize of Jesus. Will you pray about that with me right now? Gracious and ever loving God, we thank you that we can be honest with you. We thank you, God, that you're big enough to handle our anger and our frustration and our anxiety, even when we're mad at you, God. Thank you for the book of Psalms in the Old Testament where we see real people coming to you with real issues and that gives us hope, God, that, that we can be honest and open with you. And so God, help us to do that. Help to ease our anxiety by letting us be honest with you. And we can do that in a respectful way, God, but thank you for letting us share who we are with you. And God, sometimes we do get upset and we get angry and, and we see wickedness and evil prospering in the world and we're trying to do the right thing and and bad stuff just happens to us again and again and again. And we're living lives of faith and, and doors shut in our face and people that we know get hurt and get sick and die. And, and we, why is it so hard when we're trying to be faithful followers of Jesus? But Lord, you teach us some tough lessons today. You teach us some good lessons. That even in the midst of the storms, you are with us. You prepare us for what's coming. You give us the strength to face whatever we need to, stand, to, to be strengthened for. God, you help us not to be dominated by fear. You, you give us a sense of inner peace, inner contentment, even when things are not peaceful in our lives. You give us the glorious kingdom of heaven. You promise that you work to bring good into our lives, even out of the worst of circumstances. And God, you say that we are never alone, that you are with us. And that even, God, if we are far from you, even if we do wrong things, even if we see ourselves as enemies of you, God, that you love us anyway. You send the sun to shine on us and the rain to land on us. And that you died on the cross for all of us. And so, God, today, if we are just not in the right place with you, we're sorry. Please forgive us for whatever it is that stands between us and you. We, we leave it behind, God. Please Take our guilt and take our shame from us, Lord. Replace it with joy and replace it with peace. We believe in your son, Jesus. We believe what he did on the cross, God. Or at least we want to. That's why we're here today. That's why we're watching. There's something inside of us that's pulling us to be here, God. And I believe that's you. And so, God, we surrender. Maybe for the first time. God, maybe we've walked with you and we've strayed or there's something that's come between us and you, God. We, we want you to smash through that, God. We leave that behind. We want to be yours. We want you to have us as your children. So God, come and live in us. Forgive us. Give us the joy. Give us life to the full now. Give us life forever in the kingdom of heaven. 
and help us to know we are never too far from you. Even when we're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, we need not fear evil for you are with us. In Christ's holy name, we pray, amen. Jesus paid the price to be our prize, to be everyone's prize, except the prize of Jesus Christ.